official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. But before I get into my sermon, um, awesome. Yeah, you can see we're just trying to figure this out. We're trying to figure this out. We're doing church in a home, and we're videoing it, and it's on Facebook Live. But I think it's just really important to say that the church is going to be the church no matter what. Because the church, the church isn't a Sunday gathering. It's, it's a people. We're the church. And it doesn't rely on facilities. It doesn't rely on budgets. It doesn't rely on sound systems. It doesn't rely on paid staff. It doesn't even rely on a a live stream like we're doing. And we remain the people of God. I got to be louder? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) How about I move closer? Good? Okay. But what I want to say is we remain the people of God without any of those things, without buildings, without budgets, without a live stream even, without paid staff. Uh, And that's an important distinction because the moment we make church about all of those things, we start to lose our way. And Jesus said this, Jesus promised us that he would build his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so we're not worried about the survival of the church. The church will be the church no matter what comes along. It's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on our our staff team or anything else. It's dependent on God and his grace. And that's it. And so we're going to continue to worship God and minister to one another, even though it looks different, even though we're figuring out how we're going to do it. And more importantly, we're going to embrace every opportunity we can to show the love of Jesus to people. And there are going to be lots of opportunities to share the love of Jesus with people. In times like this, the church really gets to be God's hands and feet. We get that opportunity. And we're in uncharted waters, but God is with us. He's with us. And so I have a prophetic and timely word for our church today from Lamentations chapter 3. Our church has been walking through the book of Lamentations, and this is our third Sunday in the book, and so we're at chapter three. And I think this is really prophetic and timely for our church, because even though Vermont hasn't been hit hard, it's already having direct impact. It's, it's impacting our homes. It's impacting our church gatherings, right? It's impacting our families. It's impacting our mental health, our workplaces, our recreation activities, our neighborhoods, our schools, our relationships. And it's impacting us all in different ways. I know right now as I speak, my oldest son, Jared, is on a plane coming home from Scotland where he was studying. He gets in tonight into Boston. Uh, I have a youngest son named Joshua, and he has serious Uh, immune deficiencies. And so we were uh, talking with the school and with doctors all week about how to best protect him. And I've had conversations with some of you 
And I know that it's affecting you greatly too. And so the word that I want to share today is for all of us. Now, I'm going to break a few preaching rules this morning. Uh, Preachers are taught to be artful in setting up their main point, right? We're, We're taught to construct our sermons in a way that kind of build to that main point. And sermons are a lot like songs in this regard. If you guys listen to music, you'll notice that there's a part of the song. It's usually in the middle of the song, and it's called the chorus, And the chorus is usually uh, that catchy part of the song that you remember. It's the part that sticks with you. Sometimes it's a a song you don't even like, but you hear it once. And it's like it burrows into your brain like a worm going into an apple. Just just there. And you can't get it out of your head. Because that's what courses do. They stick and they're catchy. And they're usually repeated throughout the song. And, and, And if you listen to music, lots of us, when we hear a course... We can belt it in our car or in the shower without any music playing. We just like sing it. And in our heads, we just hear it. It's just there. So today, what I thought we could do is jump straight to the chorus of this sermon. Instead of setting up my Lamentations 3 sermon today, I thought we could go right to it. Right to the part of Lamentations that sticks with you that like a catchy melody. It's the part of Lamentations that that we can sing even when we don't hear the music playing. It just sticks. And it's not a coincidence that the passage we're going to look at today is found in the very center of the book of Lamentations. It's in the middle, the very heart of this book. And so I want to start by reading this prophetic and timely declaration from Lamentations 3. And It's Lamentations chapter 3, verse 17 through 24, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, and I'm going to read it really slow, so we can just let those words kind of penetrate our hearts. Because one thing about God's Word is sometimes it doesn't even need to be preached. It just preaches. And so we're just going to allow that to happen. Here's the chorus of Lamentations 3, verse 17. Peace has been stripped away. And I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Verse 21, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. And here's the course, verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance Therefore, I will hope in him. I want to read those last few verses again because it's the course of lamentations. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, 
I will hope in him. And so, so now that we've sung our course, so to speak, in Lamentations 3, let's go back and set it up a little bit, and we'll come back to it again. Uh, the book of Lamentations, in many ways, is a memorial. It's a memorial to all of the pain and the suffering and confusion of Israel following the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon in 587 BC. And this event was the most catastrophic event in Israel's history up to this point. They had never experienced anything as catastrophic as what had just happened to Jerusalem and to their city and to their people. And the first four chapters of Lamentations are what is called an acrostic poem. Each chapter is its own acrostic poem, and each verse uh, starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You'll notice in the book of Lamentations, there are 22 verses in those first three chapters. Chapter 3 is the exception. It has 66 verses, and I'll explain that in a little bit. But there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and so the, the chapters, the poems of Lamentations are acrostic poems. Each verse starts with a Hebrew letter. And verse in chapter three, rather, has 66 verses because three verses start with each Hebrew letter. And so it's safe to say that Israel's suffering here in the book of Lamentations, this memorial that we have, is Israel's suffering is being explored from A to Z, the whole gamut. And it's an attempt to express what feels inexpressible. Have you guys ever um, tried to express something that feels inexpressible? It's really hard. It's really hard, which is why when people come close to being able to do it, we pay attention. I think about our national monuments that we have. uh, How they're a way for us to express what feels inexpressible. And we flock to them because there's something that happens when we're on the sites of these national monuments where we we are able to somehow express some of what we feel is inexpressible. And there are some famous memorials that we have that we all know. And Tasha's going to be throwing up some pictures in the post to, to look at these memorials so we can look at them together. The first one is the Vietnam War Memorial. I remember being at the Vietnam War Memorial and looking at that wall and seeing all the names on it. There are 53,390 names on that wall of people who died in the Vietnam War. And when you stand there, somehow you're able to express what you couldn't express. Another one memorial that's, that's famous and it's kind of new, I think it was 2018 that it was built and open to the public, and it's in Alabama, and it's the National Lynching Memorial. And in this memorial, there's 805 steel plates that suspend from the ceiling, and there are names on those plates. And every one of those 805 plates Uh, symbolize 805 U.S. counties where documented lynching took place. And one day I want to go there and just feel that and lament that in a way that that this monument helps us to do that. 
Another one that is quite famous is the Holocaust Memorial Museum in D.C. There's one exhibit there. I've not been there yet, but I've seen pictures of this where they have 4,000 shoes that have been collected from concentration camps. And it's a sobering reminder of the horrific acts of torture and killing during the Holocaust. And when you're there, I imagine it feels a different way. One last one that I'll talk about is, of course, the 9-11 memorial, right, in New York City, where the Twin Towers and World Trade Center once stood. Again, I've, I've been able to be at that one. And, and there's, there's a, a, an opportunity at that site to express what feels inexpressible. And so the Book of Lamentations is a memorial. It's a biblical memorial that God wants to invite us into to help us express what feels inexpressible. And, it, and especially during a time like this in, in the world, which feels so scary and uncertain and unnerving, we need spaces where we can express what feels inexpressible. And as I mentioned, Lamentation chapter 3 has 66 verses. It's the longest poem in the book. Here's the breakdown of Lamentations 3. The main character in this poem is a lonely man speaking out of his suffering and grief. And he represents God's people in this poem. And there are two noteworthy aspects of this lonely man speaking about his grief. Here's the first one. He doesn't ignore the hardship he sees. I think that's important. He doesn't ignore the hardship he sees. He's not dismissive of it and saying, oh, that's not real. Oh, that's not going to be really impacting. That's not going to be, it's no big deal. He, the suffering, lonely person in the character in this poem, he gets it. He sees the scope of the hardship. But here's the second important thing of of note about chapter three of Lamentations. This lonely grieving man also doesn't ignore the hope he has in God. And I think as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as people uh, of God, that we have to do both of these things really well. We have to not ignore the hardship and the pain and the suffering of our world and people, especially in a time like this. But we also have to be able to put our hope in God. Listen to this, this character, this lonely man in verse 20. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. So he's essentially saying things are not good. This is not how things should be. This is not how the world should be. And he goes on and he says, my peace is stripped away. My dreams are dashed. I've forgotten what it's like to prosper. My suffering is beyond words. I continually grieve my loss. I'll never forget this awful time, but I still dare to hope. In other words, he's saying this, I still remember the chorus. I still remember how the song goes, even when I can't hear the music anymore. It's in my heart. It's in my head. The chorus still rings in my ears, and I'm going to sing it because it's true. And I think this is a prophetic word for our church, and I think for the whole worldwide global church. 
that we have to learn how to do both of these things in this time that we're living in where our lives are disrupted. We have to be able to look at the hardship and the disruption and the pain and the suffering in the world and even in our own country and even in our own state and in neighborhoods and workplaces and pay attention to it and say for what it is. But we also have to be able to say, but I still put my hope in God. And as things progress, and we don't know the future, right? But as things progress, how will we respond? Will we respond like the lonely, grieving man in Lamentations 3? Will we remember how the song goes even when we can't hear the music? Even when we can't gather together at Main Street Landing, even when we can't go about our normal routines, will we remember the song? Will it be in our hearts? Will we sing it loud and strong because it's true? Will we still dare to hope in God? Will it ring in our ears and in our homes and in our hearts no matter what happens? Listen to the lyrics of this course again. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. That's the course, friends, right there. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. I saw a quote this week from the theologian Frederick Buechner. And he says this, Jesus' resurrection reminds us that the worst thing is never the last thing. Jesus' resurrection reminds us that the worst thing is never the last thing. And that's the hope we have in God. That no matter what we face, no matter what difficulties arise or what we go through, the worst thing is never the last thing. That's what the resurrection promises. And that's the hope we have. So we're able to do what this character in Lamentations 3, this lonely, grieving man does. We're able to look at our surroundings, the situation, uh, all that we're facing, and recognize it for what it is. But we can also place our hope in God, knowing that the worst thing is never the last thing. The resurrection of Jesus shows us that. Now, I had planned on giving everybody today, before we were going to cancel our service, a little piece of sackcloth. And in scripture, sackcloth represents pain and hardship and sorrow and repentance and suffering and grief. And if you feel sackcloth, it's rough. It's itchy. It's uncomfortable. And people in ancient times would wear this as clothes to lament to express that things aren't as they should be. So they would wear this on them, sackcloth, so that it would feel uncomfortable. It was a form, uh, expression of lament that, hey, the world is not right. Things in my life are not right. This isn't how it should be. And so I asked Abby uh, to write this passage, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 through 24, the chorus. 
of Lamentations on top of this piece of sackcloth. And, and what it represents is the sackcloth itself, of course, represents all the hardship, the pain, repentance, sorrow, grief. But on top of that goes the promise of God. On top of that goes, I still dare to hope. The two are together, not separate. You don't have to dismiss the hardship in order to say, I hope in God, and, and vice versa. You don't have to get lost in the hardship and forget about the hope of God. The two go together. And it's a reminder that through the uncertainty, through the season of, of, of hardship and sorrow, we can still dare to hope in God. We can still have the chorus written on top of it all. And so I wanted to give one of these to you, but you're not here. So I would love to mail you one. And so if you want to email us your mailing address, we'll get you one. Because my, my hope and prayer is that this piece, this little scrap of sackcloth can become a memorial for you during this season that we're apart. That can be a memorial that you hold and you put in your hand and you feel the roughness and the coarseness of it. You feel the, the, the uh, sackcloth kind of in your fingers as a form of lament. And then you look down at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 24 and say, I still dare to hope in God. And so we'd love to send you one. Uh, again, email us your physical mailing address. We'll, we'll send you one if you like. And also, while we're talking about that, if you would be willing to also send us your phone number and your email address, because we want to be able to reach out to you. We want to be able to care for you and pastor you well. We want to find out, hey, do you need someone to pray with? Do you need some encouragement? Uh, are you without a paycheck? Do you need some groceries? We want to be the church. That's, what the church, that's the, when the church gets real hands and feet. And this sounds terrible to say, but as a pastor, part of me, it, it, the, the spiritual God part of me, <laughs> It's kind of looking forward to all the opportunities to actually be the church to the world. To serve them and show the love of Jesus. To, to selflessly say, hey, you don't have enough money for groceries? Here's some groceries. And so we want to do that for our entire church family. We want to do that for our community. But we need to be able to be in contact with you. And so please just take a moment uh, today, even right now, just give us your phone number, your email address, your, your mailing address, if you would like us to send you one of these, and just email it to the church. Um, you can find our email online, and uh, that way we can really uh, be together. You know, a lot of folks are saying this word, um, uh, social um, Distancing. Yes, thank you. I'm thinking we should change that to social solidarity because distancing kind of implies that we're withdrawing out of fear, but we're really withdrawing, not out of fear. We're withdrawing because we want to protect and love those who can't protect themselves. And so we have to figure out a way as a church to stay connected while we're withdrawn. Mm -hmm. And so we want to do our best. We want to be really faithful to that. So please like, help us do that so we can check in on you and, and see how you're doing, pray with you. Um, so let's, in closing, let's just read this passage, this entire passage together one last time. And then the worship band will come up and we'll sing one worship song together. But let's read this again. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 17 through 24. Peace has been stripped away. And I've forgotten what prosperity is. 
I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Let's pray. God, we posture and position ourselves the same way the character in Lamentations chapter 3 did. We recognize the hardship that we're facing, but we also recognize that our hope is confident and steady and secure in you. And so, Lord, we ask for your, your help, your wisdom, your protection, your courage, your boldness, so that we can be the church, not limited to facilities, not limited to a sound system, but limited to one thing, that we are dependent on your grace. So Lord, fill us, send us, send us out to our neighbors and our coworkers so we can love them well and show them the love of Jesus. God, show us how to do church like this. We're just figuring it out. We're completely dependent on you. Our feeble attempt this morning, we hope it's an offering to you, God. We hope it's a a sweet smelling aroma to you. We pray that you would see our hearts, Lord, even now. I pray for all my friends who are watching online, part of our church community and others. Lord, would you give them your spirit and the peace that passes understanding? Would you invade their homes and their hearts with this message, with this, with this word of hope, with this prophetic call from Lamentations chapter 3? Lord, we're so grateful that you are on the throne. And we now place um, ourselves before you. And we lift up our request to you, knowing that you hear each one and that you are able to meet us in a way that no, one, no other human being can. So, comforter, come. Be with us. We will worship you. We will love one another. We will uh, come before you with singing and praise, and we will sing the chorus that our God is faithful, that we can put our hope in him. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 